Welcome, Typology Tribe. Ian Morgan Cron here, host of the show on which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of, of the, the Enneagram. Enneagram. I'm in the studio here with my buddy, my handler. <laughs> I do what I can. Man, you got a full-time job. <laughs> Anthony Skinner. How you doing, Ian? Man, this has been a been a good week. It's been a whirlwind. You've it's, been out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. I was in California. I was speaking at Catalyst. How'd that go? You know, it was a trip. Was it? Yeah, it was a trip. You know, it's a big crowd. Mm-hmm. And it was a cool room. Really great people. Mm-hmm. Got to connect with some old friends. And, uh, but still, you know, here's the thing about those gigs, right? You speak for 25 minutes. Right. Like, there's a clock on the stage. Countdown, right? yeah. Right. There's a countdown clock on the stage. It's 25 uh-huh. minutes. But it takes three days to do 25 minutes. Mm. Seriously, it's like the right. day before right. you pack, yeah. right? You just got to get it together, figure out what you're saying, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The next day you're traveling. Yeah. Then you speak. Yeah. Then you got to spend the night. It was in California. Yeah. Then you got to come back the next day. Then you got to unpack. It's like three days <laughs> for 25 minutes. Right. I hope it was worth it. That's intense. Well, I, I am the beneficiary of people that send me texts and say, I'm here. I'm watching Ian. It's awesome. So really, I get the feedback. Yeah. Continue. So I, was, I was getting those while you were there. I know. What I did they you say? Were there, and I was like, "Yeah." Well, okay. So there are two Steve Brewsters that live here in town. Oh my gosh! I had this experience. Yes, go yeah, on. And I get them confused. So sometimes one will text me, and I'll think it's our drummer friend, right? But then I'll actually realize, no, it's my other friend, Stephen Brewster, who does branding, and he was the one that was there, met you, and shot me the text. That is so funny because this guy came up to me and said, "Hey, I'm Steve Brewster. I know you from Nashville." And I looked at yep. him and I went. You are not Steve Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> so but shout out to both of you, Steve. I thought I'd had a head injury, and I was like, did you have like plastic surgery? Or... <laughs> uh, yes. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Well, yeah. I'm excited today. Yeah. We got a good friend of mine in the studio. I know. I'm looking forward to this. Enneagram 2, JJ Peterson. Okay, wait. Let's tease that out for a minute because we have an ad to run before we get to our guest. Maybe it's an important one. Yes, for it is. JJ's sake. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> could be a fellow too. A fellow too. Yes. Right. Yeah. JJ, have you been in therapy before? I have. Good. Yes. So I want to tell you about restoring the soul. Go on. <laughs> you had me at therapy. <laughs> so I got this friend. His name is Michael Cusick, and he runs an organization called Restoring the Soul in Denver, Colorado. Mm. And for 20 years, my friend Michael has been offering two-week or one-week intensives, right? One to two weeks for people who, for whom a typical 50-minute weekly hour simply is not enough. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. So when people have, uh, you know, they've got to get a lot of work done in a hurry, right, because they're in crisis or because mm-hmm. they just simply don't want to spend a year getting to the root of their issues, right, they get to call Mike and go out there and spend a week or two weeks with him in these half-day intensive blocks, and uh, it's it's a pretty amazing deal. I've known Mike for 30 years, and and I can tell you, he's like one of the best therapists I've ever known. Yeah, yeah. No, he's legit. He's the real deal. So, Typology listeners, if you are interested in what I have just described, <laughs> right? Psyche Boot Camp. <laughs> Psyche Boot Camp. Yes. You need to call my friend Mike at 303-932-9777. That's 303-932-9777. 
Or you can go to RestoringTheSoul.com and learn more about them there. And if you go to RestoringTheSoul.com forward slash typology, you are going to get a free PDF entitled Five Five Ways ways Unaddressed Trauma May Be Affecting affecting Your your Relationships. relationships. Oh, I'm so in. You You are so so in. in (laughs) (laughs) JJ's over here. He's writing down the number. He's texting Mike right (laughs) now. Exactly. Well, you'll, you know. I'm in favor of therapy. Sending it to 10 other people. (laughs) There you go. You know what? I've never stopped to think about it, but I don't know if I could count all the therapists I've had. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure they could count it. (laughs) They they could count you. (laughs) My insurance company could, I'm sure. There you go. Yeah, right. JJ, welcome to the show. You are an Enneagram 2. I am, yes. Proudly. Proudly. Why? (laughs) Okay, great. That's a good place to start. Why are you proud to be an Enneagram 2? Why am I proud? Well, I think... One, um, I kind of already had a whole philosophy about the way I like to live my life and I knew things about myself, but it wasn't until I was became familiar with the Enneagram that it put real words to things I was already f- living and feeling and thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a lot of ways, it really, I would say, I guess acknowledged something in me that I wasn't sure was real. Does that make sense? Like in the sense of where I I kind of have always seen myself as a really great, I've described myself as a great number two anyway, not even with outside the Enneagram, right? Like um, I'm a really great vice president. I'm a really great uh, second in command always. And not because I'm afraid to lead. I just feel like I can do my best work from by serving others who are out ahead a little bit. Um, And once I, began to study a little bit of what twos think, feel, and how they act out in relationship, I started going, yes, okay, this is it, it, you know, like everybody says, the Enneagram read my journal, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, that's, it's like, when I, once I took the test and I started reading the results, I was like, yes, finally, there's words to this, and there's really meaning behind it, too, mm. and then, and, and so I think there became... Like I really am proud to be a two. Um, that that I I own it. Um, I also try to own the unhealthy side of it. <laughs> right. But, right. But um, but really, there's a lot of I. It, it gets me excited when to think about being a two. Mm. Well, you should be. I mean, cool. yeah. I, I mean, that. twos are fantastic yeah. human beings. Yes, they are. When they are. When they when they are living <laughs> in that place. Yeah. All right. When they are. Yeah. Yeah. When they are. Right. Yeah. Now, when we first started the conversation, I said to you, well, "What do you really want to talk about today?" And you yeah. said, "Let's talk about twos at work and in relationships." Now, why why did you want to talk about relationships? Um, I think because it's such a mystery. <laughs> okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the biggest piece of it is that. You know, I think a lot of people and me in, me in particular, when we look at other people, we can name their numbers pretty easily and see when they're acting out of the unhealthiness of their their number. Right. But yourself, it's a little bit harder to own that. Totally. You know? And so I think and when it comes to relationship, especially like from not just friendship, but like a partner, you know, like a life partner kind mm-hmm. of situation that. Um, it, it, it's where you are, end up having to be your most true self or your most true self comes out the, mm-hmm. the, often and recognizing the things that you kind of hold to are not necessarily the things that the other person holds to from a worldview perspective. Right. You know, and I don't mean religion and all that, but I mean like 
how do you interact with other people and how do you love people and how do you see love and how do you, your view is not their view. And so I think for me, just, I don't know how to dig into this, but just kind of understanding myself a little bit more and then how to walk more healthily in relationship out of that. Mm. I know that's a big. No, no, it's great. Are you kidding? That's fantastic. All right. So as you look over the landscape of your relationships, now I'm yeah. talking romantic partnership yep. relationships yep. here. What, as you sort of consider them, where has there been a pattern of crash and burn, like around the same issues? Not crash and burn, but I would say pattern of maybe hurtfulness. Like, mo- like the, uh, like I, I don't. There aren't crash and burns, but. Um, I, I tend to love creating moments and being like very emotionally connected. Right. And I have found that sometimes my romantic partners don't share that, (laughs) you know? And so like I'll kind of, um, you know, I'll, I'll say this, I'm trying to think of a, a very specific example. Like, um, I'll say, we were talking earlier, but I actually did this. Um, what are three things you love about our relationship? Okay. So you pose that I question. I pose that question. Right. Yeah. Cause, and I'm honestly like, it's part of it is I actually just want to share with you. It's not even that I really need to know. Right. It's I want to share with you. This is what I'm thinking anyway, how much I, I love this and why I really think that this is special. And my partner saw that as an attack. What? Yeah. Like a little bit of a, like, um, oh, you don't think I value this relationship? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm just, we're on a six hour car drive and I'm making conversation. Right. <laughs> and so, and I wanted, like, there's some things I was just thinking about that I love about our relationship and I wanted to share those. And then I was curious what you would think. Yeah. But do you think what they were picking up on or, or perceived uh-huh. was that that was actually a, uh, your way of asking for a reassurance about it, the relationship? It could have been. Yeah. It could have been. Because that is a very common two move. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Let me uh, repress my own needs in the moment, Uh which is I need to be reassured. Uh So I'm going to reassure you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then Uh what I hope to get in return, unconsciously perhaps, is a reassurance. Like, here are the three things I love about our relationship. Yeah. So instead of just asking, what are the three things that you love about our relationship? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I'm, yeah. or I'm feeling, I don't know, kind of like I need to know. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit of a distance here. Yeah, can like, you just, what, yeah. what's going great about our relationship? Instead of being honest about your needs, Yeah, which is what two struggle to understand is like yep. what their needs are. It was sort of like going, it's like a fishing expedition. Yeah. You know, yeah. you threw out the bait and you were hoping it would hook. And then you wouldn't have to acknowledge your needs as a as a two, because twos don't want to acknowledge their needs. Yeah. Right? Yes. You didn't have to acknowledge your needs, but you got them met anyway, but sideways. Yes. By se- setting it up as this game, almost. Yeah. I'll tell you three things. You tell me yeah, three. Yes. It's like. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a real example that really happened. <laughs> you know, that, that's not I just interpreted this. Yeah. No, and I, I do think that makes that makes a lot of sense. I, I don't, I would not have consciously said that that's what I was doing. Uh, but I probably was, you know, I, cause I like to do a yeah. lot of, and, and a lot of what I would try to do, say like on big long road trips or different things like that was continue to, 
reestablish like establish a stronger foundation for the relationship. Right. So there would be a lot of like, let's I'm going to ask you questions that are um, that lead us to deeper connection mm. kind of thing. So mm -hmm. even just like, tell me a childhood memory, you know, or something like that, you right. know, that probably in my mind was coming across as a innocent, like, I just want to get to, but really I wanted that person to know me and yes. I wanted them to ask the questions of me. Right. Um, and so I would ask the questions of them. Okay. So again, this is so important, right? Yeah. You had a need. Yeah. But you were trying to get it met indirectly. Yeah. Under the guise of some other thing. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, so you were that gave you the freedom to ask for what you needed without asking for what you needed. Yes. Right? And I'm sweating now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let me ask you a question. When I say that, yeah. I mean, you know, you I mean, does that and because I want to be careful here, does that what feeling does that arises in you as I sort of call you out on that? Hmm. Probably. I mean, the first quick thing is shame. Um, and then, but the, the immediate, immediately following that really is like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not, it, I, I try when I said I'm like a proud too. I, I really am like, I'm proud of all of the things. And so, right. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, that is, I think that is something to be aware of. Like, I want to be aware of the things, not just like gloss over it all. So it, the, I think the immediate thing is kind of like, oh crap, I'm sweating. And right. I'm, there's a little bit of shame here because um, he's he's caught me in this, if I'm really truthfully honest. Sure. But, um, but also it's like, okay, that allows me to understand where that's coming from and also in that in particular situation, that relationship, I probably should have been trusting my gut a little bit more knowing that there wasn't that solid foundation and mm -hmm. I should have been acknowledging that. And I, I should have, I knew things were not quite where they should be. And I was trying to push that down and fix it by let's ask some fun questions. Right. And, you know, yeah. and in right. reality, I probably should have been trusting my gut and, right either said something or more direct earlier or broken things off because I knew of where thing, where it really was. But just stuck in there. Didn't but I you? stuck in there for three and a half years. Thinking what? <laughs> um, thinking what would happen? I had seen the best in my partner at different times mm -hmm. and especially in the beginning. And I just wanted to get back there. Hmm. I think that that was the biggest thing is that I had seen the best. I'd seen what the mountaintop could look like. And it, and it wasn't just feeling, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, there was love and all of that, but I had seen the best in this person and, and then there would be, and then it didn't stay there. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of started moving away from that. And, and so I just wanted to get back to, I know, I know who you can be and I know who we can be together mm. and we're not there, but I've seen what it could look like when it's really good. Right. And so, um, I, and, but there was a lot of other things in the background that were complicating things that right. I had a gut feeling about that I should have probably trusted mm. instead of pushing my feelings down, pushing my needs down. Right. Um, for the sake of the relationship and for the, for the sake of my partner. Right. Um, and that's just, I don't know. Now, again, I'm 
processing out loud. No, that's <laughs> as, totally as fine. That's totally it. fine. Yeah. So, um, in that relationship, as you as you reflect, yeah, what as a two, what what do you wish you'd done differently? I wish I would have been more honest with what I was really thinking and feeling. Um, I think that was the the biggest piece. So this relationship was long distance mm-hmm. and I was flying there all the time. There was never a reciprocation back, oh, Okay, but it was partly what I kept saying is, well, my job's really flexible and I'm sublimating you know, your needs. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can do this. It makes more sense. We have a dog up there. We're not going to leave the dog every time. And my, you know, it's easier. I have frequent flyer miles. We split the cost, you know, so it was always me going there, always me going there um, for three and a half years. And um, and I kind of just kept making excuses of and giving of myself to make things go really smoothly. Right. And for the most part, it was like we we actually had a really good relationship for the most part. Um, but um, it was because I worked really hard and uh gave a lot of myself in that process. Mm. And I don't, I honestly don't regret it. I don't think I would get back into a relationship like that. If I was to, you know, however many years ago be presented with what I was presented at the time, I probably still would then, you know, like it just, it made sense. I was traveling a lot. It worked. Now I'm a little more established and I'm not sure I would do a long distance that way. Mm. Um, Cause I know what it takes and I know who I become in that of just like, well, yes, I'll go. I'll go. I'll do it. Um, but what was your original question? <laughs> well, no, but, but you're actually, I'm going to push against you. Go. Can, I, can yes. we go to therapy land? Yeah, always. Oh, okay. All right. I told you, you had me at therapy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so as you're saying that, you know, yeah. I would do it again. I don't regret it. I don't, I don't know if I believe you because that was a lot of sacrifice, dude. It that, was, it was, but it, um, without, re- without any, Apparent reciprocity of, you know what I'm saying? In other yes. words, if you're constantly getting on airplane, going there, yeah. and also coming up with all kinds of rationalizations in your mind for why this is a, uh, there's, there's you know, mutuality here. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound like that to me. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, well, well what, what, ended up, what ended up happening towards the end is that my job changed and I was in Nashville more. And so now it before there was, uh, I might end up up there. I might end up in New York or I might end up here or I might end up in LA or I might. And so there was a lot of kind of openness to it. And as, as long as that openness was there, then the traveling back and forth and setting up life there, I didn't love it, but I, I chose it. I don't, don't feel a victim in that. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of, it was part of the cost that I had counted mm-hmm. to be in the relationship. But once things like once my job changed and once I was more established here and I bought a home and like Nashville was my place, then I actually did have the ability to say, okay, this is not sustainable. And I need to know that we're moving towards something permanent or we have at least, and it doesn't even need to be now. It could be a couple of years from now, but we, I need to plan because this of me traveling back and forth and kind of leaving things up in the air is not going to be okay forever. Mm. And then that's ultimately when it fell apart. And so, um, how did you feel in that moment when it fell apart? When it fell apart, um, 
I'm most honest, stupid. Oh yeah. Come on. What's that mean? Um, cause I went back to all the stuff you're saying of like, oh yeah, it wasn't worth it. And you know, you were lying to yourself and all of those kind of things. Like right. this person, you were thinking the best of this person and they really were not that person, you know? So you got duped mm. kind of thing. Um, I think there was a lot of that. Um, there was a lot of, uh, uh, with that though, I think there was also a lot of like assurance that I, this, this was right. Like it's right to end it. And that's why I say, I don't necessarily regret how it went because through the whole relationship, it was like, yep, this is okay for this, for this, for this. It's kind of like just taking the next step forward. But ultimately that came, my life circumstance changed enough to where it was like, okay, this isn't okay anymore. And I need to make a decision. And ultimately it was like a hard decision, but it was the right decision. Um, so did you ever experience resentment? Like uh, at the breakup or before it's like, I am really pushing myself yeah. here and I'm not really feeling like you're, um, meeting me halfway, like I'm getting on the plane all the time. I'm the one who's who's always asking the heart the questions about relationship. Yeah. I'm making the dinners or whatever. Not not any of the physical things, like the flying. I actually never resented it. Mm -hmm. I never resented the flying. I never resented. We we were pretty even about making meals and doing like laundry and things like that. So I never resented any of the physical kind of stuff. I resented the emotional. Um, in that, I. I I felt like I could be more vulnerable with my some of my best friends or some of just friends than I could be with my partner. And that I, I wanted that. And anytime I tried to get vulnerable, either by asking questions or just by being vulnerable myself, uh, like I am a crier. I cry at anything. I mean, like <laughs> I cry at I cry I, I cry at you know, Ellen videos. I cry at, I'm trying to think I was literally just crying last night. I'm sure it was like an American idol or something. Probably about puppies on Instagram. It probably I'm was sure. a commercial. Like I, I really do. I'm a very, right. I, I, I tear up at most things. Like mm -hmm. if I'm happy or I'm sad, like I tear up and, yeah. um, and that was always seen as manipulative. And so, um, even just like watching a movie, if I started crying, it was seen as manipulative in that moment. I don't, I don't know why from that perspective, but then if we were discussing anything and I would tear up, then it became, it was seen as manipulative. And so I felt like I had to kind of shut down that piece of me or not go to those vulnerable places right? because I didn't want to see, be, see it, be it. I didn't want to have it seen as being manipulative. I just wanted to have connection um, or like talk about hard things, even like things that we should have talked about earlier, like the traveling back and forth and what's the future look like right. and all those things. Um, or like we even went through the process of becoming, um, respite care, foster parents right. where, um, for kids who are in emergency situations right. and, um, the, the process went dragged on for a very long time. And then ultimately, um, we got denied because we were in two different places. Um, right. you know, I was in Tennessee and New York and so got denied. And I know that that was a very hurtful thing for my partner. And 
we never talked about it. Mm. We never like never talked about it. Cause every time I tried to bring it up, it just was pushed away. Okay. Everyone's dying to know what, do you know what your, your partner's type was? No, I think five. Okay. All right. Yeah. That would I, make sense. Yeah. I, but I don't know. Right. You, okay. So it's a speculation, but yep. it sure sounds like it. Yeah. And fives, <laughs> fives in a relationship, chances are, if you know about fives, you're probably right. Right. Cause yeah. it's not necessarily a hard number to pick out. Yeah. You know, um, you know the song, I can't make you love me. Yeah. Alan Chamberlain's <laughs> yes. song, right? Which no. I cry at. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, let's do a whole chorus. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, I, I sometimes think with twos, it's the song should be, I can make you yeah. love me <laughs> yeah. if you don't. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. I can make you love me. Yeah. Do you think sometimes like in relationships, you actually find yourself with the like people who present the greatest challenge to that? It's almost like, I will find someone that, that, that the hardest person in the world to get the, to get them to reciprocate and I will make them love me. Oh man. Um I don't know about that. I, I maybe but I that I don't know if that has been the the case. Mm-hmm. Um I fall in love very easily. Um and I know that about myself. Like I have to be careful of where I, I make really strong attachments really quickly and even just with friends and, um, and, but I, I fall in love pretty easily. And the people who I've like really fallen in love with, I mean, there's like fall in love and then there's like crash in love kind of thing, like really yeah. deep love. Um, it's, it's usually been reciprocated at mm. least in the beginning, you know, like it's not, but then a, what happens? Um, I don't know. Well, I don't have a lot of experience, so <laughs> I can, I'm only when I'm drawing on this, I'm drawing from about two relationships. So, <laughs> well, yeah. okay. So well, this okay. is not. Uh, but even um, in friendships, I mean, what happens yeah. in the beginning? A lot of us, you know, what? Yeah. You you just alluded to the like. This sounds like there's our sh- there's a shift that happens sometimes. Well, I was just thinking about the one relationship. Really, okay, but um, no, I, I don't know. I. Uh, in that that situation, I really think it was that person's. It it got too deep, mm-hmm. and, and uh, after we were together about a year and a half, and it was like, uh, they were going to like propose. It was like at that kind of level, mm-hmm. um, but had been come from abandonment, and um, you know, father left, mother left, kicked out of the house, all this stuff yeah. like. Uh, totally abandoned by everybody kind of thing. And then my family is very loving and accepting and, you know, and come on in, you're part of a family now. And I honestly just think it didn't know how to deal with it. Mm. Um, Didn't know how to, even when we're in the relationship, just kept saying like, I'm, I'm really independent. I'm really, really independent. And I'm like, well, so am I. We we don't live together. We're like, you know, right. we we're doing. The, what do you think I am? I'm not. And maybe they thought I was dependent, very dependent. But, um, but just very like needed to be on their own and kind yeah. of out there. So I think truthfully, kind of freaked out a little bit once it yeah. got too deep. Um, yeah. In that relationship. Um, what did you learn if you had to? If someone came to you and just said, JJ, like. What's in a 
two, three sentences. What did you learn walking away from that relationship about yourself and about yeah. relationships in general? I think it, it is to trust my gut. And it's kind of mm. what you were saying. Mm. It, but when I say gut, I think it means the feelings. Mm-hmm. Like when I, I would have these feelings or even like stuff that I would just know and I would push them down for the sake of the other person. Yes. And I would say like, okay, you're just being needy, like saying it to myself, you know, you're yep. just being needy. And, um, and so, you know, let go of that. Like, you know, but there was some underlying issues that I wasn't willing to address that created those feelings. What were those issues? Like mistrust or, um, or like this person is not, uh, it's not going to, is never going to connect in the way that I actually really want to connect with. Um, But instead I I would push that down and Mm -hmm. go, I just need to let go of my need to have those kind of connections. And I need to let go of, you know, being special. I need to let go of, uh, you know, anything that I I just need to let go. Why do you need to let go? That's what I was saying. I know. So I'm I'm actually questioning what, like, why were you, like those are all valid things. That's what I mean. That's what I learned. And so right. the, I think that those kind of things were driven by other like issues, even in our relationship. Right. And that was what my gut was telling me. Right. My gut was telling me that something is wrong. Right. And I was saying, don't be needy to myself. Right. Instead of something is actually wrong here. And I, I deserve to be treated a little bit better. And I actually can stand on the foundation of who I like, there's some foundational truths that I still believe in that I don't want to let go of when it comes to relationships mm. and how we treat each other and those kind of things. And in, instead of viewing that as being needy, which I did in the relationship, right. I need to be able to trust my gut. And I think all the things that like, I, I didn't trust in myself before afterwards I've realized, Oh, that was all true. It was yeah. all true. And I still loved the relationship and we're still friends actually. Um, But it just, there's zero doubt in my mind that I shouldn't be in it anymore. (laughs) You know, it's, but I, but in it, while I was in it, I think I just kept going, well, you're being needy. You're being selfish. You're being all these things. And so I pushed down my own and I think I've learned like, nope, trust your gut a little bit, trust your gut and allow and and I associate the trust the gut with what you're talking about with feelings like right. that like don't rep, don't push down those feelings and needs because there's there's something that's in that that is true. I wonder if in the the synapse between this relationship and whatever one is on the horizon, yeah, the next one, it what would it be like for you to write down a list of core needs? Like in advance. Yeah. Like do advance work. What are like non-negotiable kind of stuff? Well, non-negotiable is a little rigid, right? Yeah. We want to be uh, have a little wiggle room on okay. things because, you know, real life presents itself yeah, yeah. and as you know, in ways that don't, won't cooperate with rigid patterns. But like what would what would be on the list of needs as a two? Needs like, you know, that I have mm-hmm. that I in a relationship think it's um, okay to expect will be met. Yeah. Like- what would some of those be? Oh wow. Um I think in and this comes directly from that is that integrated into my life. Um mm-hmm. so in that relationship in particular, 
I was very integrated in New York, but there right. was no reciprocal integration. Right. So heavy accommodation. Yeah. So there needs to be like, I want the, I want future relationships to know. And that is being a known piece to me is that like, when you know my friends, you know me, mm. um, when you, when you know my favorite restaurants where I go to weekly, right. You know me. And so there's mm. a piece of that in there. And so I think that's a part of the integration that like, I'm not just going to become part of your life that we're you, you also become part of my life and then we build a life together. So there's, right. it, it's, it's not that we only have one life. Like I right. still want to be integrated in yours. I want to know your, the people you work with. I want to know right. your family and they're still yours. Like they're your people, but I want to know them and I want to be integrated with that. And I want the, and vice versa for me. Mm. So I think that's a big piece because it, that's, and, and I think the, another one is, um, is curiosity, um, which kind of goes in that as well. Like, I want you to be curious about me. Um, there's, there's a lot of different layers to me, <laughs> a lot right. of different, and, and I want you to be curious that to me, um, shows, shows a desire to be known and know me kind of thing. Mm. So I think curiosity, integration, um, and, um, I think just on, based on that relationship, just be able to have deep, deep, hard conversations, hard conversations for me are actually a part of drawing in closer. Mm. Um, you know, like if, if we can actually have things, a conversation that makes us both feel a little uncomfortable, I don't want to live there 90% of the time, but um, I think I was reading something the other day about like it was a psychology article and they were talking about how, you know, I work for story brand. And so in any good story, there's a good problem. Problem right. makes the story. Right. And so I was researching stuff on problem and different stuff. And they were saying that I believe it's in, uh, in marriages, you actually, the strongest marriages have to have a problem in them. And the interaction has to be about, I think it's for every 10 interactions, you need one or two negative interactions in order to keep the relationship strong. Cause there has to be some kind of mystery and pull and tug right. and, uh, and separation and, and resistance, resistance in that. Yeah. But it can't be half, it can't be half or negative, right. but it's like out of every 10 interactions, you probably need to have one that where there's a little bit of resistance. And so I think for me, even and uh, there needs to be that ability to get, have those conversations and then walk right. out the other side and go, I don't want to be in this room with you, but I still love you. So I'll see you later, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And to know yeah. that you can weather those kind of things. Yeah. So I would say those are my, the, the first three that come to mind are integration, curiosity, and hard conversations. Great. I mean, I just think those are great takeaways for twos and people who know twos. Yeah. To take into It's that idea of being known. I yes. think like for me, that's where it really Right. Right. So uh, as we wrap up, I, I guess one of the lessons I'm learning today as I as I'm talking to you is just we oftentimes say that twos are one of several numbers on the Enneagram that are self forgetting. Mm. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things I'm picking up is um, just how prone twos are to self forget. Yeah. And sometimes like nine, sometimes to self forget. Well, nines will sometimes self-erase. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Like yep. they'll self-delete. Yep. But you really self-forget. 
like you forget your own needs you yeah. you you forget your own desires and 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 maybe they don't really appear to you until in the crush of something falling apart and you realize wait a minute i had all these needs but i was sort of out of touch with them or i was trying to get them met sideways or yeah. i was fishing around but and 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 yet and you know uh, and of course we keep repeating the same thing over and over again hoping for a different result yeah right which yep. of course doesn't work one of the things that I uh, was thinking about today is that, uh, and this is a phrase borrowed from Thomas Keating, he talks about everyone has an inner program for happiness. You know, mm -hmm. we got inner programs for happiness. So for a one, it's if I can perfect myself, others in the world, then I will be happy. Yep. Yeah. As a three, if I can succeed or appear successful and avoid failures at all costs, I will be happy. For fours, if I'm special and unique and can compensate for the broken, missing piece inside of me, then I will be happy. For fives, it would be if I can just know and understand and perceive everything in life and gather all this knowledge, I can fend off this overwhelming world and be happy. Yeah. If I'm a six, it would be if I can, you know, um, garner s security and 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 safety in this on this dangerous planet of ours, then I will be happy. Uh, if I'm just ready, you know, sevens, if I can just be happy, then I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can avoid difficult yeah. feelings, yep. et cetera, then I'll be mm -hmm. happy. Eights would be if I can assert power and strength over the environment and other people and hide my own weaknesses and vulnerabilities, then I will be happy. Yeah. And for a nine, if I can avoid conflict, maintain connection, and maintain inner peace at all costs, then I'll be happy. Now, for you, mm -hmm. it would have been if I can just uh, meet the needs of this other person yes, while at the same time disowning or not acknowledging my own needs. Yep but get them met in other circuitous ways, then I'll be happy. Yep, 100%. So, I mean, I just, I'm reminded today too that these inner programs for happiness. And really we have to, we have to raise them into conscious awareness or we're their slaves. They're yeah. just autonomously running the show yeah. from behind the scenes. And, if, and so you were talking earlier, you know, uh, right when we were starting, it's like, well, I, I'd love to know more about you know, I've got a cursory knowledge of what a two is like. And, yeah. I, and I guess the thing I would encourage twos and you to do is like surface this thing. Yeah. Surface this deep inner program for happiness that if I can just meet your needs, then you'll love me. Then you'll, I'll, I'll find the love and approval my heart most desires. And I'm even willing to self-forget mm. yeah. myself in order to get it. And of course, that will always lead to resentment. Yes. Yep. Deep resentment. That you have been taken advantage of. Yep. All of your goodwill has you're smiling at me like. Yeah. Well, as you're talking about, I mean, I know we're kind of wrapping up, but I was thinking about literally. My partner got up at 5 a.m. for work every day, and when I was there, I didn't work. I work from home. I'm right. Not, and so, I would get up ahead of time and make the coffee and take the dog for a walk, so that there would be an extra hour of sleep, right? And so, and then. After going to work, I would then take a nap or something, or but then I'd also clean and get the meals ready for the day. But I was like, well, I'm home. I, of course I'm going to do that. But then if it wasn't acknowledged, then it, if it was acknowledged, I was usually fine. But if it wasn't acknowledged, then right. I it did turn to resentment. Yes. 
but it was because I'm what I'm getting up an hour earlier than you, and yes. I'm also not having to. Right, I could go to I could sleep in too. You right. know, you could do this just as much as me. But you handed the keys of the kingdom over to this oh, yeah. person. Oh, 100 percent. Right. Yeah. And so this is emotional dependency for every number. This is so important. Mm. That person is not responsible for your happiness. Yeah. That's an amazing idea. It's like when that changed my marriage. When, when I woke up one day and I just said to myself, this person is not responsible for my happiness. Yeah. I am. Yeah. And if I tether my happiness to how this person reacts or behaves toward me or doesn't behave toward me, I'm screwed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so are they because I've placed them in an unwinnable situation yep. here. Yeah. Right. And that's what I always, where I would try to balance it when I would know it's too far is when um, I would always tell myself, am I, am I feeling like a victim? Like mm -hmm. if I, cause I, I, I hate, I know that there are real victims in this world, but I really hate victim mentality. Mm -hmm. And so when I found myself going into victim mentality and those kind of situations, I had to stop and go, what choices are you making right. that are causing you to feel like a victim here taken advantage of? Right. And then I would have to either stop making those choices or address them in the relationship and go, right. Hey, I actually feel taken advantage of, or right. am I, do I care? If I don't really care that this isn't being acknowledged, then I can keep doing it. But right. otherwise, like I need to actually own it and um, and either bring it to the surface or stop doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Jay, this is awesome. Okay. <laughs> Integration, curiosity. Was the third one? Integration, curiosity, and um I believe you said integration, curiosity, and hard conversations. Yes. Great. Those are great takeaways for twos and people who love twos or want to yeah. love twos better. Yeah. Well, JJ, this was, I mean, this was really a really, uh, the wording I used was a sweet interview. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh -huh. now, again, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> no, but, but, because here's the thing. Um, because what I want to, uh, what my heart tells me in these situations, we're both on the heart triad. I'm yeah, a four, yeah. you're a two, right? Yeah. First of all, I would just say to you, your needs are good. Mm -hmm. Your needs are really good. And they're not overstated. Mm. Like, don't uh, tell your, don't listen to, you know, those, when you were saying, you know, oh, I'm so needy, that sounds like a sort of a relic, mm. a relic message from the past mm -hmm. that is just playing itself over and over again in your head. Like, wanting to be seen, wanting to be known, wanting to feel like the object of curiosity, wanting to feel into, these are not, these are not unreasonable needs. Yeah. You know, and I do, I do think for all twos, just like that, that actually the, and you're in a good space to do it now because like you're in the synapse between a relationship that was mm -hmm. and the next that's coming. And there is another one coming, JJ, <laughs> uh, like to be able to write down, this is what I need. Yeah. That's good. In advance. Yep. That's because once you're in it in the rush of love, yeah, you'll call, you'll throw all that out. You'll self forget. And you should write down now, what are my needs yeah. in the next relationship and then put them on a wall somewhere and, you know, yeah. put them up there as markers of health. I need this in a relationship. It's not too much to ask yeah. that these be here. So, I mean, and, and just also remind too is not to self forget. Yep. Don't self forget. That's huge. Yeah. I love you, man. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a great, great time, man. I, I, I feel enriched. I feel enlarged by the conversation. And that always tells me that something good happened. As do I. Man, good. Well, folks, listen. 
Another episode of Typology, digging deep into the human heart, even, not just personality, into the heart. Listen, everybody, we love you. Don't forget yourselves. And remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde, be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. See ya. <laughs>